Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 16 provide for us a marvelous look at the assurance that we can have that we are indeed children of God, heirs and co-heirs with Christ. We'll continue our look at this blessed assurance coming up today on Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Throughout our series, Blessed Assurance, we are focusing our attention on five important spiritual truths that surround the assurance we can have as believers in Christ. It is that assurance that we're looking at today. We would invite you to join us from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Let's catch up with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, as we look at Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 16 on today's program. To be a Christian means that you're led by the Spirit of God. That's what he says there. And if the Spirit is leading us, then we can be assured that we are children of God. But what does it mean to have the Spirit lead us? That's the big question, right? How does the Spirit lead us? How do we know? And people have a lot of ideas about this. A lot of them are unbiblical. Some answer these questions dealing with outward circumstances experiences. Others look at feelings, something on the internal, maybe special revelations they claim to have. Some think of guidance almost kind of magically, expecting God to really direct them to some verse supernaturally. So they close their Bible, Lord, God, give me wisdom, you know, and they do this deal, you know, God, give me wisdom. I don't like that one. I don't like that one. You got to be careful with that, right? That's not how God leads us. But we do have to be careful because we can't deny that God does lead sometimes in mysterious ways. He truly does. St. Augustine's testimony says that he was converted by hearing a neighbor's child singing the words tole lege, which means take, read. That's how he came to faith in Christ. He received it as a word from God. He picked up his Bible and he started turning to a passage at random. He fell upon the verses that spoke to his specific need and he was converted. Now, we don't have the right to say that, well, that wasn't from God. I'm not saying that. But are we to expect that kind of guidance to be normal? If so, the majority of us would have some story like that. And I would imagine if we went around the room, most of us didn't get converted by hearing some child say, here, take, read. Oh, I got to get my Bible and read. You know, no. All right, that was a divine thing that happened, obviously, but at least a testimony that it happened. And all of us could probably have some supernatural event in our life that led us to Christ. But if being led by the Spirit is what it means to be a Christian, if that's what it means to be led, just having some supernatural, really incredible experience, then probably most of us are not Christians. Because probably most of us didn't come to Christ that way. That's not what Paul's saying. He's really saying here that, you know what, that the Holy Spirit works within us. You might say internally, because that's where he dwells within us. Paul's been talking about our minds being set on what the Holy Spirit desires and about our having an obligation, you might say, to live according to the Spirit rather than according to the flesh. And so in these next verses, he speaks of this internal witness 
that God has given us through the power of the Spirit. Now, God can order external events. Of course he can. He's sovereign. He can do that. He orders everything. But that's not what's being discussed here. In this verse, Paul is talking about what God's Spirit does within us to lead us, to guide us. So what does the Holy Spirit do internally to Christians to lead them? Well, first of all, there's three things. First of all, he renews our minds. He renews our minds. The first area in which the Holy Spirit works is what? The intellect. It's the mind. And he does this by what Paul calls renewing of your mind. Look at what it says there in Romans 12 over a couple pages. And we'll get to this eventually. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's a whole sermon in itself. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed. How? By the renewal of your, what's it say? Mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I mean, don't you want to discern what is the will of God? Don't you want to understand what is good and pleasing and perfect in his sight? Well, the first step is the renewal of our mind. See, the person who discovers, tests, and approves what God's pleasing and perfect will is, is obviously being led by the Spirit of God. It's, this, it's the mind's renewal. I mean, before I was a Christian, I had no concern what God's will for my life was. I didn't really care. I just knew I had to go to church and confession and and do those things. And, you know, hopefully God would like me if I died one day. I had no concern for it. How then are our minds renewed? Well, there's only one way. It's by reading and being taught by the Spirit from the Word of God. Um, This doesn't happen by osmosis. You can't put your Bible on your pillow at night and just fall asleep and hopefully everything in that book will penetrate your brain. doesn't work that way. That is why God has given this book, his word, the Bible, to us. To inform us, to enlighten our minds, to redirect our thinking. And the Holy Spirit and the Bible are together in this. The person who considers himself to be led by the Spirit of God apart from the Bible will soon fall into error. Beware of anybody that comes to you saying, I got a new word from the Lord. God revealed himself to me and here's what he said. Unless that person quotes scripture to you, don't listen to it. That's how all these false teachers get around what we read in the Bible. They're not reading the Bible. They're taking bits and pieces of it and they're putting it together and parsing it in a way that makes it say whatever they want it to say. That's why you have some of these people saying that they're God. How could they, how could they call themselves a Christian minister and say that they are God? Or some of them are saying that Christ's death on the cross wasn't sufficient, that he still had to go to hell and he still had to pay a price. So they believe and teach that Jesus went from the cross to, the, to hell. Literally. How do they do that? They take pieces and bits of scripture out of context. A person who reads the Bible apart from the illumination provided by the Holy Spirit, which is basically all unbelievers, unfortunately, they'll find it to be a closed and meaningless book. However, the Christian is led by the operation of the Holy Spirit and the Bible together. The test is this. Has the Holy Spirit been leading you by enlightening your mind through Bible study? 
Have you discovered things about God yourself and the gospel and the ways of God that you did not know before? Do you realize that they're true? Are you beginning to live differently because of some of the truth that you have discovered within the word of God? I mean, if you stop and think about it, a person who realizes that one way is true and another way is false and yet takes the false path, I mean, to me, that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you come to a split in the road and you say, you know, if you go down that road, you're going to go over the cliffs and die. But if you go down this road, you know, you'll, you'll go to a wonderful meadow and, ha- meadow and have a beautiful picnic with your family and friends and it'll just be a wonderful celebration. I mean, there are people that stand at that place and they go, ah, I think I'll take this road. I'll go over the falls. I don't like my family anyway. See, God has to renew our mind. He has to renew our mind. Secondly, he stirs the heart. How does the spirit lead us? He stirs the heart. Figuratively, the heart is the seat of emotions. The Holy Spirit works upon it by stirring or quickening the heart to love God. You can always tell when someone is not really, there's something wrong with their profession of faith because you begin to talk to them and and sometimes they will even confess sin. I have this problem in my life and but there's no, there's no grieving. There's no heartfelt being sorry for it. They're just looking at it going, yeah, well, praise God he died for all my sins because I have a ton of them. And they continue to have a ton of them because there's no conviction. There's no sorrow. There's no come to understanding that, you know what, God's heart breaks over that sin. And as a believer, we need to be stirred in our heart. That's why Paul says here, look at what he says. He speaks of this inner response to which God is moving and he cries out what abba father over in galatians chapter 4 verse 6 paul writes because you are sons god sent the spirit of his son into your hearts the spirit who cries out abba father in other words the spirit of god leads us by making us affectionate toward god and his ways so we have a newfound desire within us to do what god wants us to do and not to do what God does not want us to do. It's the Spirit who causes us, as Jesus would say, to hunger and to thirst for what? For righteousness. This isn't something you just invent. You know, you don't just start coming to church and say, okay, well, I guess i got to you know, like everything that's, that's good and, and hate everything that's bad. This brings us to another test of whether or not you're a Christian. Do you love God? I mean, do you love God perfectly? None of us do. None of us can. If your answer to that is yes, you probably don't love God at all. If you think you love God perfectly, what I mean is do you try to please God? Do you want to spend more time with him through studying his word and praying? Do you seek his favor? Are you concerned for his glory? See, all those things are are things that God stirs in our hearts. And when you see someone who's claiming to be a Christian sin with no emotional fallout at all. You have to conclude that there's no faith there because we all sin in a myriad of ways and I can't tell you the times when I sin, God convicts me and I end up being sorrowful over that sin. It may not happen right at that moment, but you know what? It happens and that sorrow comes and I realize, man, I blew it again. I grieve God by doing this that he does not want me to do. And I go to God and I confess it. I say the same thing that he would say about the sin, that it's wrong. 
And I what? Thank him. I don't need to beg him for my forgiveness. I thank him for his forgiveness. Because he's already forgiven me in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful blessing that is. So he stirs our heart. Thirdly, he directs our wills. He directs our wills. Just as the Spirit leads us by renewing our minds and stirring our hearts and our affections to love what he loves, he does so by redirecting and strengthening our wills to go after what he desires. How does the Spirit, Holy Spirit lead a person? Well, he doesn't do it forcefully. It's not, God's not forcing us to do things. What does he do? He leads by literally changing our will. When the Lord redeems people, he doesn't leave them on their own. Aren't you thankful for that? I mean, what, would it, what a horrible life it would be if God saved you, if he gave, forgave you of all your sins and then said, there you go. <laughs> see you later. Hopefully we'll see you in heaven one day. Didn't give you the Holy Spirit. Didn't give you any, the word. Didn't give you any brothers and sisters to encourage you. He just kind of let you waffle down here on this sin-filled earth till you died or he came back. That would not be a joyful experience. That would be a miserable experience. Because without the Spirit of God, we would be hopeless. <laughs> well, how does the Spirit lead us? He does so by a couple ways. But one of these ways is illumination. Illumination. I don't think that's in your notes. But he directs our path by helping us to understand God's word. You know, when you come to this book, I hope that you come to this book prayerfully. I hope that you don't just, you know, oh, yeah, whenever I got to read this couple pages today for my devotion. You, you should always come to God's word prayerfully. Sometimes he'll lead us in a specific practical way, but primarily he leads through the illumination of his word. Look back at Genesis chapter 41. Verse 38 and 39. Genesis 41, 38 and 39. Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. The Egyptians looked at Joseph's wisdom and they acknowledged that, you know what, this doesn't come from this man. This comes from a supernatural being. And they called it the Spirit of God. Today we receive God's wisdom through His Word. That's how we receive it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 19, Paul says this, Ephesians 1, For this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you what? The spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints and what are the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. Paul prays and understands that God's gives us wisdom through the power of his spirit. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 to 19, Paul prays again. He says, he prayed that according to the riches of glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the height and the, the depth and the length. And to know that the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How does it happen? Through the Spirit. Colossians 1.9, Paul says, And so, from that day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with, controlled with, the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. See, the Spirit of God, beloved, fills us with the knowledge of God's will. And He does so primarily through the illumination He gives us when we read the Bible. That's why it's so important to read your Bible. If this book is not in your hand every day, if you're not putting what is on the pages of this book in your heart every day, there's something wrong. There's something terribly wrong. Colossians 3.16 tells us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And you know what? When you do that, the word of God comes alive. Start off small. Take the book of 1 John and say, you know what? I'm going to read through that book every day for a month. You know what's going to happen after 30 days? You're going to know what's on the pages of Scripture concerning 1 John. Even if you just read it casually, just the repetitive nature of reading through it, it'd probably take you maybe 20 minutes if you're a slow reader. You're going to understand what's on the pages of this book. And yet so many times we look for gimmicks, we look for devotionals, we look for other things that take us away from this book and into another one. And God is saying, no, spend time in this letter that I have written to you. Now, with that being said, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says very clearly, the natural man, those who are not saved, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're folly to him, nor is he able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The unbeliever, the non-Christian, the person who does not have the Spirit of God cannot understand Scripture on his own. Can he understand the words? Well, yes, clearly. But he's not going to understand the true spiritual meaning as the Holy Spirit defines us, defines for us when we read through his power and his illumination. Why? Because we literally have the mind of Christ when we are part of the body of Christ. In Luke chapter 24, verse 45, Christ opened the disciples. It says this, understanding that they might understand the scriptures. These are people who were with Christ every day. And yet he still had to help them understand the scriptures. That's why it's so exciting to see so many ladies signed up for this hermeneutics class. Because you know what? If you can't understand what's on the pages of scripture, your Christian life is, 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 I don't know how you would do it. You know, you're, you're going to be just kind of shooting in the dark. You know, studying the scripture is like any other craft. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes a willingness to sit down and understand what the text is saying. You know, don't, don't play willy-nilly with the word of God. Sometimes I get so frustrated. I got to kind of bite my tongue sometimes. Because I'll hear Christians who, I, I know they mean well. But they'll ask questions, and the question a lot of times they'll ask is, they'll, they'll, they'll go to verse, and they'll say something like, well, what does that mean to you? Because to me, it means this. <laughs> I'll go, okay, who cares? I mean, in all honesty, who cares what it means to me, right? Who cares what it means to you? What we want to find out is what did the author intend it to mean when he wrote it? See, if we start there, then we're on pretty safe ground. But if we start off saying, well, to me, this means this, or well, to that, you know, I've been in Bible studies where I just cringe because, you know, the, the Bible study, and this was early on in my, in my Christian life, and I, even then it didn't make sense to me. We'd read a section of scripture, and then the guy would say, well, you know, what, what do you think that means to you? 
And the person would sit there, well, to me, you know, that means, you know, because of, well, when I was young, you know, it applies this way, and oh, okay, good. How about the next? Well, to me, you know, this word means this. And then, you know, you go around, and you have eight people in the circle, and then you get back to the Bible study leader, and I'm waiting with bated breath. Is somebody going to tell me what it means? Because I just got ten different opinions. And then the leader says, okay, well, that was good. Let's go. Let's move on. It's like, wait a minute. Stop. What's going on here? That's not Bible study. That's Bible suicide. I mean, that's crazy. You know, we have to approach the scriptures the way we would approach our job, the way we would approach the raising of our kids, the way we would approach our own health or whatever. We, we have to do some homework. We have to understand what we need to do. But the primary way the Holy Spirit leads us is by illuminating the scriptures to our minds. Maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, (laughs) maybe you're questioning your own salvation. Ask yourself this, real simple. Want to know whether you're a Christian or not? Are you understanding God's word when you read it? Is the spirit teaching you those truths found in God's word? Are you coming to accurate conclusions about what you learn in the Bible? Is your heart convicted when you read the Bible? Does God's word give me joy? When I read joyful passages, does it bring me to sorrow when I read sorrowful passages? Is the Bible a living book to me? See, if you can say yes to those questions, I guarantee you that the Spirit has illuminated your heart and your mind in his word. Well, he also leads us by sanctification. He leads us by sanctification. Once the Holy Spirit has shown to you what the Bible says, basically he assists you in applying it, in living it out. There's a lot of people that know what the Bible says, but they don't take it to the second step. They don't apply it. See, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, leads us by prompting our hearts to obey God. Psalm 119 verse 35 says, Make me go in the path of thy commandments, and there do I delight. He also says in verse 133, Psalm 119, Order my steps in your word, and let not my any iniquity have dominion over me. The Spirit of God illuminates the mind, but he also activates the will. And he does so through sanctification, through, first of all, the confirmation of the Spirit. Look at what he says there in verse 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. They're led, present tense. It's an active thing that's going on in your life. See, when you're not studying God's Word, you're not walking in obedience You're not going to receive this confirmation of your salvation from the Spirit. There's going to be a check there. Something's not going to be right. When you do not submit to his leading, what happens? You doubt your salvation. I mean, that's why the New Testament, all over the place, what's it do? It tells us. It's filled with exhortation after exhortation to be obedient, to be growing in God's word. That's so important. And if you think coming here, sitting here for an hour, hearing somebody expound the scriptures, well, that's what it's all about. You've missed the whole point. This is just a celebration of all your study you've done all week. Just like it's a celebration of my study that I've done all week. If you're relying on some guy to come up here, stand behind a pulpit and somehow give you enough to get through the next week, you're sorely mistaken. I don't care who that individual is. You have to invest. Then you will sense this confirmation because the Spirit's leading is not sporadic. It's not something that's momentary. It's a continual reality in the life of every believer. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible-teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. And directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650 650- 366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.